Welcome to Live with the Pricing Lady. I'm Janine, your hostess. This show is all about helping you build a sustainably profitable business while making an unbelievable impact on your world. Learn from my 20 years of experience and from my guests as we discuss their pricing challenges, failures, and successes. Pricing is a way of being or behaving in your business. My mission is to help you confidently charge for the value you deliver. Pricing is either hurting or helping your business. Let's make sure it's helping you reach your dreams. In this episode, I sat down with Pete Canaliccio from Brand Alive. We talked about why is it that people are willing to pay so much more for brands? Pricing and brands are intricately connected. Both topics drive perceptions and customer behavior. What a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. And also welcome to my guest today, Pete Canaliccio. Did I pronounce that right? Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Hi, Pete. Welcome to the show. Hi, Janine. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I'm really excited to be here. I'm pleased to have you here. So Pete, why don't we start by having you tell the audience a bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. So let me just quickly say that my background, where I learned about brands was at the Coca-Cola company. I worked there for 10 years. And then after that, I had the chance to work for a company called Newell Brands, which owned the Rubbermaid brand. And I worked specifically on the Rubbermaid brand. And then after I left there, I started my own agency, Brand Alive, back in 2009. And my goal is to help brands come alive in the hearts of those that experience them and, and to do that for my clients. So this is a lot of fun for me today. Excellent. I'm so happy to have you here with us. So why don't we dig into the topic a little bit more? We really wanted to talk about why do we pay so much more for brands? Where, where can we start this conversation? Yeah, I like to talk about brands like relationships we have with people, right? So think about the brands that you know and love and, 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 and why do you love them, right? Well, you build a relationship with them. Over time, you build trust with them, just like any personal relationship. They, they deliver on their brand promise day in and day out. And if, they, if for some reason they, they don't on one day, they typically take responsibility for the mistake they made, just like a friendship would, and then they make it right. Just like a friendship would, a great brand will go over and above to make us feel really good about, you know, the, the responsibility that they take for the mistake they made and to do it better next time. We build this trust, we build this relationship, and that gives us a sense of, you know, peace and calm and certainty. You know, we know what we're getting from a brand. So I'll start with that for now. Right, right. I mean, that for me, that brings a lot to mind when I think about companies that I was, let's say, more loyal to. And then one time something went awry and I was like, nope, I'm off that brand. I'm out of here. You guys lost my business. <laughs> it can be a really fickle thing at times, right? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about the first sale. Getting somebody to buy one time is way harder than getting them to buy a second time. When I worked for the Coca-Cola company, they always talked about, you know, new customer was so much more expensive than getting the customer to go from one Coke a day or one Coke even a year to two Cokes. The fact that they, that they lost your business, I would be curious what they did and why, what they didn't do to get, win your business back because they should have known what the, the cost was to acquire you. You had loyalty with them. It's not like you just right. had met them. 
And, and then they obviously made a major mistake in order for you to step away, which is terrible to hear. Well, for, for any of those of you who are watching and who are still living here in Switzerland, you know, Pete may not know this, that customer service is different over here in Switzerland. In general, if any of you are Swiss business owners, don't take offense to this because I am generalizing, but in general, it is your honor to be a customer and to be charged for things in Switzerland. <laughs> it's a little bit different than the, the, yeah. the United States, right? Where we expect yeah. service, yeah. right? That's yes, part it of the is. And in that context, it's very, it, it is very different. And in this case that I was thinking of, it was a, a company that sells like electronics and they had set up this new, you know, at the time it was relatively new where you order online, but that you can go and pick up and you know which shop to go to and whatever. It was quite convenient and nice. And one time I bought something and it didn't fit the outlet on the wall. I took it back and they said there was a 20 franc restocking fee. And I was, that was it. <laughs> How you know, the guy was very nice. He explained to me why that was. We don't give you used products. You always get new. I said, yes, but I paid 60 francs for this product. Now you're charging me what, 20 francs for a restocking fee. I, I just, I couldn't, my you head was just exploding. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And understandably you walked away and they probably had, the person there probably didn't even care, but hopefully somebody at that company did care. No, no, because I got the feedback form and I sent them the feedback and I never heard from anybody. But this is why I say, you know, in Switzerland, there is a very different approach to mm. customer service. I, I've gotten off on a tangent here. Let me bring this back in because we wanted to talk about why people pay so much for brands. You said that brands is really about a, a relationship that you're building right. with people. How does that translate into paying, willingness to pay, interest in paying value, these types of things. Yeah. When we build the relationship with a brand, what does that give us? Well, the first thing it gives us is certainty. We know what we're getting. When we have certainty, it will remove risk. You know, then there's the positives of a relationship. It gives us prestige. If we have a brand that we regard highly, the likelihood is that other people regard that brand highly as well. Even if they choose not to use it, they do see it as a premium brand. They do see the associative imagery, let's call it, with the brand. The other thing typically with brands are, for the most part, is that the quality or the performance is much higher, right? We were talking this morning, a friend of mine who's another brand expert, about having a, a dinner party. And let's just say it's, you know, you're serving all kinds of drinks, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And you can have the choice between serving Coca-Cola or serving Big Coke, Big Coke, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, the idea, the perception of what your friends might think about you, you know, why are you serving them this off brand or this store brand when for 20% more, you can have the best brand in the world. Affordable mm -hmm. luxury is the way we like to think about it. Right, right, right. No, it can play a very big role in, in, in different aspects, right? I think it's also, it's also interesting because <clears throat> it's so much of it comes down to how you perceive yourself, how other perceivers, how you perceive the brand, how the brand perceives itself mm -hmm. as well. All of these things kind of, at least between you and, and the company, all the, it has to come into alignment in order for you to have agreement on what the price should be, right? 
It really does. And that is a bit of a, an ongoing or ever uh, never-ending search for the exact value. For brands, they want to be paid and expect to be paid a premium versus a generic, but they don't want it to be so high or so punitive that you don't feel like you're getting value. The equation's always about value. Even for luxury brands like a Tiffany's, right? What is the value perception? If somebody, and we all talk about the little in a light blue box and what does that signify that is an amazing value perception and there's a whole movie you know made about it with audrey hepburn right no yeah breakfast at tiffany's and the whole concept is that the diamond is way better you don't know exactly why you may not care about the clarity or the you know the the color or all those things you just know it came from tiffany's and therefore it's the world's greatest and the the typically the person that receives that gift is really reached a pinnacle of the, the promise of what that brand stands for. Now, how about the other side of it? How about the idea of removing risk? Think about, let's just say you have a small child who has a temperature and it's like, you know, I'm going to talk in Fahrenheit. So please forgive me those who, who work in <laughs> Celsius, but 103 degrees, if 98.6 is normal, which I think is around 37, but if it's above that, let's just say that your child's running a fever in the United States, one of the best brands for pain relief and, and fever reduction is Tylenol. Tylenol mm -hmm. is made by a company called Johnson & Johnson, which is a global brand. Tylenol is known as um, a brand that's very safe, very effective. Let's just say, you know, my wife asked me to run to the, to the drugstore to get some Tylenol for our child who's in a lot of pain, discomfort, and her fever's going up. If I get to the drugstore and I'm looking for the Tylenol and I see right next to it, you know, a generic version of it, I look at the ingredients and they're exactly the same. This version is 25 or 30% less than the Tylenol. Do you think I'm going to buy that generic version? No way. No way. Am I going to trust the safety of my child to some brand I've never heard of? Never. Because her safety, her comfort is paramount and I would never roll the dice and save on that. I'm glad to pay. I would pay 50% more and maybe even hundred percent more under certain circumstances right. to have the brand I know that's going to make the difference. And when I give it to her, I know she's going to feel better. Mm -hmm. I have an interesting question for you. Now, what if you were buying that for yourself? Would you consider buying the, the <laughs> off brand? <laughs> that's a great question. Maybe the old Pete would, <laughs> but I've been burned enough to, okay. to not, um, and let me give you an example, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and again, apologies for those who aren't familiar with this particular brand. So, um, Tylenol, for those of you who are watching is kind of like, I think it's like, it's acetaminophen and yes. here in Europe, I think it's paracetamol, I think. Is one of the best brands. Yeah. So I'm going to switch to airline brands. And so okay. in the United States, Delta Airlines is a premium uh, airline, and there's so many things that make the Delta experience worthy of paying a premium. Let's start with the app. The app is phenomenal. It works well. They have a phenomenal loyalty program. When you get to there to the the airport, they have typically great, you know, whole wing where they have all their aircraft, the gate, everything is done. The people are professional. Everything is great. One time I was like, okay, I'm going to save a buck. You know, I'm going to go on this brand called Spirit. Spirit Airlines price is typically 50% less than Delta. I'm thinking, wow, that is great. 
Well, I went on and I go, okay, now let me find my seat. And I quickly realized that if I didn't want a middle seat, then I was going to pay a premium just to be in coach. This is aisle or window in coach was another $25. Mm-hmm. And then of course, I'm used to with my, my status on Delta, on Delta, I don't pay for luggage. Well, okay, now there was another $25, you know, for the luggage. Oh, and did I want to carry something on? Well, that was another $25 also. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the whole experience with the gate and, and boarding, right? I'm used to boarding early and getting my seat location and getting all my luggage put away. Well, now I was going to board latest and last. And, and the people there were not friendly. You know, they were not the typical <laughs> professionals. At the end of it, I don't know that I saved any money and the experience was absolutely miserable. For me, I learned a painful lesson. Now, let's flip it. Let's just say you're a young adult who's got a very limited budget and carries a little backpack. They Mm -hmm. don't care. But for me, I needed that brand experience and I had expectations that were were never even close to being met. And and, and I'll never make that mistake again. Right. I think it, 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 it also depends on what it is. Like, you know, I think of my dear old dad and I use him as an example sometimes. <laughs> he loves it when I do this. If it's gardening tools, there is no penny that the man won't pay for something, right? Oh, because that's yeah. his thing and he loves it and and whatever. But, you know, if it came to, oh, when it comes to flying, he's right there on Spirit Airlines. He'd rather save the money. You know, and for me, I'd rather pay more and fly direct and have my aisle seat because I, when I fly across to California from Switzerland to California, I, I also, I fly as far as I can from Switzerland to California and I try to get all the way to San Francisco and then drive the rest of the way because I know if I stop anywhere, it's a five hour minimum layover Never, and I right? can't stand it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you, you know, know, and I'm willing to pay more for that. Somebody else is like, you're crazy paying more for that. But for me, that's what I want. My point is that, you know, it can be very dependent on what the thing is that you're looking at purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. It gets back to the comment we were making earlier on perception, right? What right. do we perceive as value? It's one of these in the case of an airline flight like that, transoceanic flight of not just a better experience, but of alleviating or avoiding pain. Imagine now, Janine, not only are you going to have to stop midway and have a five-hour layover, but let's just suppose you got stuck in a middle seat between two really large men. <laughs> Been there, slept. done that. <laughs> we, we know how much, like, how much would you pay then to get, to get moved out of that seat? There, there's probably no price that you wouldn't consider because right. the, the experience is just going to be horrific. That is something to be considered as as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it, but again, you know, and Walter is saying here, he's, you know, he's with us on that one. He'd rather not sit in that middle suite. It's, it's true, but everybody's different. And so we have the equivalent, I guess, to Spirit Airlines over here is EasyJet. And, you know, people rave about it. And when I fly it, I just, I feel miserable. <laughs> I feel like I'm overpaying and being treated poorly, even though it's cheap. I feel like the experience itself is so much less. That's really proper English. They feel like they can abuse you because you're paying, you're, you're not paying very much. So they don't need to treat you well. And it drives me nuts. 
this relationship between brand and price is, is really important. If we take that to small businesses, it's just as important for a small business as it is for a big business. And sometimes small business owners, when we think of branding, we think of nice business cards and a logo. But the brand is much more than that. It's about the way that you are and the way that you want to be perceived by people. There's a very strong relationship between that and the price that you can charge. hundred percent. I talk about brand universes where the consumer, the fan, the enthusiast, whatever you want to call the person gets to enter that universe, stay as long as she wants and leave when she wants, always be welcome. She can venture into any part of that universe she wants to venture into and have the same experience. And so when you talk about brands, everything communicates, right? It's the experience that she has with me, the feeling that she can trust that I'm always going to have her best interests at heart, that I am going to give her high value for what I'm uh, offering to her, and that she's going to be able to get as much information, uh, maybe even more, uh, from me than somebody who might actually, you know, work for a big or large organization. All of those things make a huge difference. Right. So it seems we have a lot of people who agree with not connecting and paying a little bit more. So thanks, thanks to Gnomesa for, for agreeing with that strategy as well. I think if you fly a lot, maybe you can appreciate that more. Walter had a question for us and, you okay. know, he was referring to Nespresso, a, a business like Nespresso or Coca-Cola. And what he says here is the context in terms of environmental waste and how that affects their brands. So that's a big discussion, at least here in Europe with Nespresso, because they have these little pods, these aluminum mm -hmm. pods that mm -hmm. um, aren't necessarily recyclable. What does that kind of thing do to a brand? Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before the show started, Janine, about, you know, the whole idea of brand story, right? And about right. the whole part that, you know, what we talk about in, in branding is that you talk about your brand promise and position. The promise is what you, you, you deliver on each and every day. And then you want to tell your story about where you came from and what matters to you. And we buy on our why, right? We buy right. Uh, based on what we believe is our purpose. And we look for organizations that share that same why or that same purpose, right? For you as an individual, sustainability is really important. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't matter that Nespresso is a phenomenal great tasting uh, cup of coffee uh, that's delivered in, you know, a minute or so, if mm -hmm. the, if the rest of the promise doesn't align with your promise, if you're about sustainability, right. now let's just say Nes Nespresso has figured out a way to recycle all their pods, then you might consider it. Let me give you an example, because I know Coca-Cola mm -hmm. so well, and I've worked with them on many Olympic games. Back when we, I was working with them on the 2010 Olympic, Olympics in Vancouver, we yeah. talked about I was helping sell, uh, helping organize and sell all their licensed merchandise. So this was t-shirts and caps and plush and pins. One of the things that was really important to Coca-Cola was to get out the message that all of the, all of the apparel that we created was made from recycled plastic bottles. We would literally have on the jacket or the shirt or the pants, a little uh, logo of the bottle with a number in it. If it was on a t-shirt, it might say eight which meant that it was made from eight plastic bottles, or if it was a jacket, it might say 27. So the idea that they would convey, hey, we care about the planet too, mm -hmm. but we're not going to 
diminish the quality of uh, your experience, whether it's the beverage or the overall experience that you're getting at this Olympic Games. And by the way, this apparel, it looks beautiful and it wears great and it's breathable and all these things. You don't have to give up anything, but we care about the planet. That was really, in fact, we were given to World, Wild, World, World Wildlife Fund, um, okay. WWF, as mm -hmm. part of the whole thing too. So a portion right. of the sales went to that. So that is really important in, in the story mm -hmm. is getting that part right. Yeah. For a lot of smaller businesses these days, they're, you know, because I work with a lot of startups, I see their desire to utilize those types of things as a very strong element in their branding that I haven't necessarily noticed in smaller businesses in the past, at least not in the same volume and numbers, let's put it that way. Yeah, small businesses should care just as much about their brand perception as large ones. I mean, for me, I live brands, right? Every day it's important. I talk about everything communicates and that you need to communicate with ruthless consistency. If I look at my universe and I see something out of line, that really bothers me and I have to get it right immediately. Every, everybody who has a brand, who aspires to have a, a brand that matters, should be thinking about that. That's a critical part of the equation. So yeah, I would say if you're a small brand, you can be a powerful brand and don't let your size um, make a difference in how you deliver on your promise. Yeah, excellent point. Excellent point. Well, Pete, I need to start wrapping things up here. What's one thing that you'd really like people to remember from our conversation today? I, I would say the one thing that you should remember is that brands matter and people gladly pay more for that value that you're going to deliver. Don't ever think that it doesn't. Everything communicates. Make sure that you think about your whole brand universe and deliver on your brand promise wherever your consumer comes or wherever your enthusiast comes. She deserves that and you want to give it to her. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you for that. One more or two more questions. The next one is if you go back and think about when you first started your business and the journey that you've been on, what's something that you wish you knew then that you didn't, but you know now? It's always tough. Oh, to ask. yeah, that's a great question. I wish I would have realized then that this journey is a long one and, and it's an enjoyable one. Every little perceived setback is actually a part of the overall experience that makes my business richer and my experience better. Enjoy everything along the way. It's worth it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. So Pete, if people would like to find out more about you and Brand Alive, how can they reach out to you? My website is uh, PeteCanalicchio.com. Thank you very much, Janine, for putting it on the screen. That will give you all the richness of who I am, my ethos, my story, what you know, what my value proposition is. I talk about, you know, getting acquainted with me, learning, and then how to take action. So after the show, I'll go ahead and put all of Pete's links into the comments for you so that you can connect with him directly when you're ready. So Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. I think we had a good time, all of us, those of you who joined live, as well as Pete and I, and those who are watching afterwards as well. So thank you very much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thanks for everyone who joined today. Excited to have had this conversation with you, Janine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live with the Pricing Lady, the podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, rate, review, and subscribe to it, then share it with your friends and colleagues.
I love hearing back from you listeners. If you've got comments, questions, or topic ideas, go on over to thepricinglady.com and contact me there. Not sure where to start when it comes to improving pricing and profits? At thepricinglady.com, you can download a copy of my self-assessment pricing scorecard. Find out where it's going well and where you can begin improving. Or just simply book a discovery call with me. There we can discuss what's up with pricing in your business and how I might be able to help you. Thanks once again for joining. Remember, pricing can hurt or help your business. Let's make sure it's helping you reach your dreams. See you next time. And as always, enjoy pricing.